the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week, my guest is Dave McRedmond, Chief Executive of On Post. He explains how the company has coped with the challenges of the pandemic, notably the surge in parcel deliveries as people have been forced to do their shopping online. To cope with this demand, Ampost is now looking at a multi-million euro investment in new facilities to future-proof the business over the next couple of decades. David also talks to me about the future of working from home, his hopes for the national vaccine rollout, and the accelerated decline last year in the number of letters that we send each other. Here we go. Now, David McGrebman, thank you for rejoining Inside Business. You were with us in April talking through some of the implications of the pandemic for Ampost and how the company had adjusted to the new reality we found ourselves. We were in a lockdown at that stage, a very severe lockdown, and we seem to be heading that way as uh, as well now in the coming weeks. So maybe let's just have a, a track back on how 2020 finished out for on post. Christmas uh, would have been a, a very busy period for you in any given year. How did it work out in 2020, given the various restrictions that were in place on the economy? Well, look, 2020 is the most extraordinary year in my life and probably your life, Karen, and and many of, of your listeners. I think it's, um, so it was an extraordinary year. It actually finished out in many ways pretty well. Um, you know, firstly, the really good news for us is that our actual overall uh, volumes, our, our revenues were have probably ended up pretty even or maybe even slightly up in 2019, which is extraordinary given the lockdown and what happened. But it was um, two completely different trends. One is mail volumes, letter volumes declining very sharply. Um, Now, as it turned out, they ended up slightly better than we thought. We at one stage were down about minus 12, minus 13 percent. We probably ended up minus 10 percent on letter volumes. Um, And that was an acceleration of a trend, which is an exorable trend around letter volumes declining overall because of email substitution. The other impact, though, was of phenomenal e-commerce parcel growth. And, you know, the reality is, and it kind of really dawned on us more in the second um, lockdown, and it's going to be probably even more now in the third lockdown, particularly since it looks like click and collect is going to be stopped by government um, if you wanted, if you want anything that is non-food, you have to have it delivered, and that's and the person who's most likely to be delivering it because we've the largest share is on post. So you know we are a company that has helped keep Ireland open, you know, and that's that's been a really major major feature of what we've been doing. So. Um, that switch in volumes, you know, where we're up uh, oh, well over 100% um, in parcel volumes, you know, we delivered 14 million parcels in, in December alone. And that's had an amazing impact. And so overall, our revenues are probably slightly up. We haven't fully closed out our accounts, but probably slightly up in 2019. The Final piece, though, then, is what does that mean in terms of our profitability? Well, you know, it's been incredibly expensive, COVID. Um, anything from PPE spending, you know, close to 10 million on that through to overtime to deal with all of the problems, the COVID-related problems with staffing, um, with the incredible work that our postmen and postwomen have done 
in delivering parcels on Sundays, uh, Saturdays, Sundays, late in the evening. So all of that is probably cost us in excess of 50 million euros, the whole COVID lockdown, um, which would see us at the end of the year, you know, we'll, we'll still make an operating profit before depreciation and probably a loss after depreciation, um, which, is not, which is actually a really, uh, considering the year we've had, is actually a really good place to be because if you're making an operating profit before depreciation, you can, you can take the hidden depreciation in one year. And uh, we expect a very rapid recovery uh, once we get out of this lockdown um, towards the second half or second two-thirds of 2021. Um, and, and then finally, I would say, if that's the kind of the picture in terms of profit, the really big piece for us, it means we've just accelerated our whole strategy because the strategy is around becoming an e-commerce enabler, becoming a parcels business, finding new growth. Um, we've invested very heavily in uh, automation and um, we'll accelerate all that change. We're, we're, we're handling volumes we didn't expect to be handling for another couple of years. So I think it leaves the business actually in, in really good shape, even though it means there's plenty of exhausted people. Um, the other business, which is you know the post office network, that too has had an extraordinary year. That that was hit very hard by lockdown, especially since social welfare payments moved to a biweekly cycle, so people are are coming in less. Um, but again, had a really good end to the year. You know, for example, our stamp sales in December were two million up on the prior year. Now, I don't quite have the percent of what that is, but, you know, it's probably somewhere around 10% up in terms of, uh, of completely bucking a trend on letters, which is that, that people were sending Christmas cards and people were sending parcels through post offices. And actually, the post offices were incredibly busy. Um, and indeed, they still are uh, busy. My wife is just out and queuing the post office post a parcel. So, um, post offices are getting really busy again around that. So, you know, I think both our businesses looking in good shape. And, uh, you know, the financial services through the post offices, post office money is growing and uh, we're growing more and more products. And all the time through 2020, our teams have been working on, uh, particularly our IT teams, working on automation, on digitization, on developing our financial services ecosystem, developing our e-commerce ecosystem. So it's been a good year. Okay, just to step back on a couple of those numbers, you said in terms of parcels, you delivered 14 million in December. How would that have compared with the previous year? Oh, that would have been more, at least more than double uh, the previous year um, because actually the acceleration in parcels happened really strongly uh, in the run-up to Christmas. I think what had happened is that people had, through the year, people who hadn't shopped online before started shopping online in lockdowns and found it a convenient way to shop. And uh, so you actually now have a, really a whole population, pretty much a whole population, that now knows how to shop online and shops online. One of the interesting things about it, actually, and I just checked this morning the stats, um, because the assumption is all that e-commerce comes from Amazon, and which a lot of it does, and they're a great customer, or comes from some of the big e-tailers in the UK. 50%, half of the parcels we handled, we delivered um, in December, were uh, domestic, so originating in Ireland. 
And that's really good news. I think it was 35% from the UK and 15% the rest of the world. So, you know, and I, I was in our parcel hub and for all the Amazon parcels going through, you'd see parcels going through, piles of parcels might just be in the delivery going through from Arnott's, you know. So, um, so it's not all because we want to support Irish business and we want to support Irish retailers and, and, and they're learning too and they're, they're delivering too. So incredible. I, I think the, the thing that happened at Christmas this year is most people were over-trading. In other words, the volumes that were coming through were insanely difficult to handle. I think whether that be for um, a, a, a retailer who's, going on, who's doing online for the first time, simply coping with the orders, or indeed for ourselves. You know, on, on the busiest day, the peak day, we had uh, 160 trucks waiting to get into our parcel hub in Dublin. 160 40-foot trailers, which is over two kilometres long. You know, that was the level of e-commerce going through. Uh, wow. Well, and in terms of the post office, you mentioned uh, you were two million up on the prior year. Is that two million uh, in revenue or two million extra letters or cards? Uh, it's two million in stamps, and that's pretty much revenue because uh, it's, a, it's a euro a stamp, so I can do that math. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, which is, is great. You know, that, that, that's just on that. I mean, I, I don't have the figures yet for financial services or for other items. So we, we haven't closed out our accounts for the year, so I can't give you the results yet. But, um, you know, what's happened with financial services, we saw really good growth in the year in uh, our current account, huge growth in our credit card. Uh, and, you know, we're, uh, but that's only offsetting partially losses in uh, foreign exchange, which was the big loss in the year. And it's actually, you know, we're the number one business in the country for foreign exchange. And of course, that gets hit very badly um, uh, during the pandemic. So, you know, there are pluses and minuses there. Um, so for me, and actually for the team, I think we set out in March, we actually said at that point that we thought it would cost us 50 million, the pandemic, and it cost us pretty much 50 million. I think it was 55 million in the end, we guess. Um, so we said, look, our aim is just to hold our head above water financially in the year. We had a strong balance sheet so we could do that. Hold ourselves, you know, just above water financially but really accelerate the strategic change in the business. And, and I think we achieved that. Um, so, so that's why we're, we're pretty hopeful about 2021. Should be a great year, a pretty rough first quarter, I expect, both not just, and, and that's not just financially or trading-wise. I think, I think it's just going to be really rough uh, on a human level. I think it's really hard for people now um, this third lockdown and particularly with childcare and those issues. So having to deal with all of that is going to be something. But we're optimistic about the year. And David, in terms of the categories uh, for your e-commerce division for parcels, um, what were the most popular ones? I'm presuming books and toys, for example, were hugely popular. Yeah, books and toys, massively popular. Apparel is the most popular. I mean, it's, it's and that is... That is, by some distance, the number one category now would be apparel. Um, and uh, then you're right, you get down to books, toys, but you get to really literally everything. As I say, literally everything that was not grocery had to be, gro and by grocery, I guess, a supermarket shop. Um, so, you know, you can include things like washing powder and all that. But anything that isn't that daily item 
had to be had to be ordered online. And that's the extraordinary thing. And that's that's what we're in again now. And, you know, I, I'm not going to shy away. I'm really proud of what Impus did. You know, at one stage, we thought we were going to fall over. I mean, we our second automation, you know, we put in place these huge machines that, that handle parcels. We opened our first one uh, 18 months ago. But the second one we opened in October. And if we hadn't opened that, we wouldn't have been able to trade. I mean, we were really, it's getting really, really hard. And, you know, we built out our parcel hub when we designed it um, for volumes in 2023 because we, that would give us uh, three years to build a new greenfield site. Um, but we're already at those numbers now. So, you know, there's a real pressure on the business to make sure that, that we meet that challenge now. But you know what? It's such a different challenge than Unpost had four years ago where we had no business. We were declining. All we had was a declining revenue line. And that's, that's a much more difficult place to be. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good complaint to have that, that we were that busy. So in terms of investment, if you're going to expand, you're going to have to expand, aren't you, to meet the challenge of e-commerce growth now over the next few years. So what kind of investment plans are you going to have to put in place, um, let's say this year and next year, to meet that? Well, look, we'll be launching really our new strategy soon, um, probably in a couple of months' time. It's just trying to find the best time to launch it in the middle of a lockdown, a pandemic, and we'll be announcing our plans then. But, you know, we're certainly looking at, at uh, in somewhere north of a hundred million euro investment in uh, infrastructure to deal with um, the switch from being a mails business to being a parcels business. If you consider this, you know we've got about one hundred and sixteen um, DSUs or what you would probably call a sorting office, um, our local offices. Um, Pretty much, maybe five are fit for handing parcels. I mean, it's uh, it's just extraordinary the difference in volumetrics. So we have to rebuild all of that estate, um, and that's going to be a massive piece of work. We're going to have to build a super site to handle uh, parcels through to twenty thirty or twenty forty. Um, We've got to, we've completely, as you know, replaced our fleet in cities, but we need to replace our fleet uh, throughout the country. And we want to make that an all-electric fleet. We've made it all-electric in cities. And the great news is, as of today, we're all-electric in Dublin, Galway, uh, Limerick, Waterford, uh, Kilkenny. We've got to away to go and, and should be very shortly in Cork. Um, you know, and... And that's a big investment as well to get that in place. So that's the sort of investment we need on for, uh, for just for the e-commerce side of the business. The other piece is for every bit of hard infrastructure you're putting in, you're building massive IT systems. So the whole issue is how, and, and if you look at every parcel is tracked and traced. Um, every parcel has to be recorded as it goes through the parcel hub. Now with Brexit, you know, everything has to be recorded and connected through to customs. One of the most fantastic feats has been over the past week, and I cannot credit our staff and our IT function in building the systems that have seamlessly worked with customs and working together with customs so that we can handle that. So all the time, you're also investing in IT systems. Um, and that's, again, support e-commerce. 
Likewise, on the financial services business, as part of the post office, we're building out a financial services ecosystem. We've already spent 17 million on that, and we'll be investing in that very heavily as well. That could be, I, I won't give a number now, but we'll be tens of millions more as we build out the financial services ecosystem to support that. So we've a lot of investment to make. So what's the overall figure for investment, would you reckon? Oh, I'm not going to give an overall figure, Karen, because, as I say, we are going to announce our strategy soon. But, you know, I've said, uh, uh, you know, north of 100 million for for the e-commerce business. Um, and, you know, you're looking at a very substantial investment of tens of millions um, in the post office network. Um, and then, you know, the really big issue is is what happens after that? You know, where where doesn't POST then go? You know, I think we've proven that we're a really strong business. We've a good culture. We've great people. We've a capability, I think, that was very much underestimated in government. You know, our capability in digital is first class. I mean, there were government statements, not, and, and to be honest, on POST, we're partly complicit in this, talking about offline services, that somehow we'd handle physical things, and but we'd leave it to the smart people to do the digital stuff. Well, we do digital better than anybody. We've one of the best... IT uh, infrastructures uh, of any company in Ireland. And we're one of the most innovative. Our whole digital team has done an amazing job. So, um, you know, we'll be investing very heavily in that as well. At Davy, the best conversations are always more than one way. We know it's even more important to listen than it is to talk. It's how we get to know our clients personally. By listening to you carefully and understanding what's important to your life, your family, and your future. Then we can talk about a financial life plan that will suit you best. Davy, it's not just business, it's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. Now, you mentioned Brexit and obviously new rules have come into place in terms of customs. You mentioned that um, since the 1st of Jan because uh, Britain is no longer a member of the European Union and is no longer, um, you know, that transition period has ended. But we do have a relationship agreement going forward. But there are some new customs rules that people are trying to figure out and they're trying to, you know, they're wondering whether it's going to cost them more to get a parcel delivered to them from the UK. Can you shed any light on that for us? Sure. So, you know, I, I try to keep it simple because it gets pretty dull if you start going into it, you know, at what level, at 45 euros, it's no longer a gift, etc. Um, but, uh, and we had to look at, uh, and this is something that's now easily forgotten because the uh, Brexit deal has been done. But, you know, we, we were working through December multiple scenarios in terms of what could happen. Um, what tariffs could be applied, what different levels. As it happens, the trade deal has been a simpler deal than many of us anticipated, and which is good news. But still, essentially, this is what happens, is for anything ordered from the UK, it's now subject to VAT once it's over a certain amount, 22 euros, I think is the amount. And from July, that will be for any, any goods coming in at any price. Um, so it's subject to VAT, and uh, that has to be collected. Now, what we have done on POST is we've negotiated with 95% of the supply from the UK, so with all the big e-tailers. But that's kind of done invisibly. So you, as a customer, when you're ordering something, 
like you'd order something in Ireland, when you order it, VAT will be applied at that point and it will be built into the price. So if your um, Christmas jumper uh, is costing you uh, 19.95, that will be including VAT. So what might happen is prices might go up. And I've seen some reports the prices might be up 10%, 15% in terms of goods coming from the UK or 20%. Um, but that will be for you as a consumer to make the choice. You'll see what the price is when you're ordering it. Um, and that includes delivery and everything else. So you're not actually going to notice a difference. Um, and that's the good news. So for 95% of stuff coming from the UK, there will be no difference. You might be paying a little more, but that's your choice as a consumer. Um, and no different, for example, than currency rates changing, um, fluctuating. So, so I think that's pretty close to frictionless trade. Um, and the really important point, though, is that we have all that information on the system so that when the item arrives at our Dublin parcel hub, um, we scan it, and the second we scan it, it goes to customs. They send us something back in milliseconds, and that says the parcel can go through. And I checked, uh, you know, what's happened since the 1st of January. So we're doing about 20,000 parcels a day, and uh, only 200 got rejected as not, being, um, not having that information. So it's probably higher than 95% at the moment in terms of what's coming through. So that's the frictionless piece. The other 5% will be a bit of a pain where you know, you'll get a call, you'll, you'll get uh, an email from us or a text from us, depending on how you've ordered it um, from whoever in the UK. And we'll say that we have the item and you're going to have to pay us money online and then we'll release it for you. So, but we'd be very clear about that, how we do that. So, but that's, and there's a handling charge, I think, of €3.50, Euros 50, or if it's a very complex piece, it might be €10. Euros. But that's really 5% maximum of what's coming through. So I think in general, Kieran, um, for your listeners and for your readers, it's, it's pretty much frictionless uh, in terms of how we're handling it. But that's only because of a lot of good work done by customs, a lot of good work done by unpost staff, and a lot of good work done by e-tailers. And 20,000 parcels a day coming from the UK, roughly? Well, it was 20,000 parcels that, that we had handled, uh, uh, I think it was um, yesterday. I was just checking that. Um, so, so that's what we had seen. Um, yeah. It's a huge volume. And tell me, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but have many UK retailers just decided to fold their tent in terms of delivering to Ireland, to the Republic? So it's really interesting. Literally, literally a couple, we found three or four, I believe, uh, have decided, no, it's, it's just not worth doing. Now, you can still order from them using AddressPal because, you know, our AddressPal product, what that does is gives you a proxy address in the UK, which is our big facility in, uh, uh, in Hertfordshire, and it goes there, and then we send it through. But that's... That's a more complicated process or a slightly slower process. But no, pretty much all still delivering. Really interestingly, um, a lot of the big e-tailers have switched their supply more than we expected to the continent to um, be serviced from the continent. So, um, you know, whether it be Zara servicing from Spain, some Amazon product being serviced from Germany. Um, so, you know, we're certainly seeing that. And I think... 
I think the e-tailers um, are taking a cautious approach just simply to be able to handle the volumes at this early stage because, you know, it will take us time, all of us time, to learn um, uh, where the fixes need to be put in to get things to work. So that's, that, that probably surprises the amount that switched to the continent. And that's fine. We can handle that e every bit as easily, um, obviously more easily in terms of uh, IT systems and everything because it's single market, which is fantastic. And, you know, we'd be great proponents, as a, not surprisingly, as a trading company of a single market. It's brilliant. Um, so, uh, so that works. I mean, I think then in relation to what's been coming through the port, um, most trucks have got through, literally a few trucks got stopped, and that's just drivers having to learn to have the right paperwork. But, you know, once you've been stopped, you learn it once, and then, then you get it. So I think it's, you know, fingers crossed, so far it's gone pretty well. We're not seeing delays. I asked today, you know, what sort of delays are there in parcels from the UK? So we said it might be up to a day. You know, you're not talking significant delays so far. Now, um, we'll wait and see what happens as really big volumes come true. But so far, things are holding up well. Okay, and just sticking with parcels, there's a lot of talk that Amazon might set up its own uh, distribution warehousing facilities here in Ireland. You deliver a lot of parcels on behalf of Amazon. Is that something you worry about? Is that, that, that could take a lot of business away from you, I presume. So, you know, Amazon do some of their own deliveries in Dublin now. They set up a delivery station in Dublin, I think, maybe in Cork. So they do some of their own deliveries, and we handle some of their deliveries. And, you know, we're delighted to have them as a customer as it happens, you know, in the run-up to Christmas, no more than other delivery companies, you know, who also, by the way, have done a really good job. You know, it's, uh, the market is so huge that actually, you know, we can do with, with others delivering as well um, because we're all trading at a pretty, pretty flat out um, at the moment. Now, longer term, that market will settle down, will become more mature, uh, the competition for business, I'm sure, will be quite strong. But, you know, I have a huge confidence in Unpost, in our brand, in our reach. Um, you know, one of the things we're not going to do, we're not going to go down the route of, oh, yeah, we'll deliver, we'll deliver to the most rural areas and you deliver everywhere else. That's not going to happen in the end. And, and, you know, certainly we'd make sure that we've the right strategies in place to make sure that, you know, as a provider... We provide a service, but we also, you know, expect in return for that to get a volume. And that's, that's a standard negotiation with any company. And I think that's what we'll do. I think we're, we're in a really strong position in Unpost. Um, you know, we're, uh, we, I think we've proven that we are anything but complacent. I mean, we changed the business so much over the past few years because we had to, to meet the demands of retailers, to meet the demands of consumers. We've had to change an awful lot of things and huge credit to our staff and to our unions at the ability to change and do that. So we've made those changes. But look where we are now. We've a brand that I think is unsurpassed in terms of delivery. And um, I think we've a network that is unsurpassed. We've the only ones with the level of automation that can deal with the sort of volumes that we deal with. We've got a fleet that is, um, you know, an environmentally sustainable fleet. And people want that. You know, we know, we did our research a few years ago, and we know that our core customer, we said then, and I, and I probably talked to you about this, Karen. we said 
Three years ago, our core customer was Kira. She's 35. She lives in Nace. She commutes to Dublin. She likes ordering online. And she cares about sustainability. And we knew that because we'd done the research. And boy, has that come through. That, and people are going, well, really, is that your core customer? Because your core customer is older. You're an old-fashioned business. No, that is our core customer now. We've proven it. Um, but things like sustainability matter there. You know, so um, I think that's uh, a really important feature of what we do. So we've got that network. So we've got a great brand and people are hugely supportive of it. So hopefully that will stand us in good stead. The other big trend, I suppose, of 2020, David, was the working from home phenomenon, where people who traditionally went into an office every day found themselves working from home. All sorts of challenges, childcare and all that. Um, involved uh, during the lockdown restrictions, but nonetheless, it seems to it, it seems to have uh, worked. The economy has kept ticking over. I'm just wondering, you had a lot of people, obviously based in the GPO and probably in offices elsewhere in the country as well. And I know you've been looking for new, more modern offices uh, in Dublin to replace your GPO facilities. But have you figured out in the long term what the future is uh, in terms of working from home, or what the future of the office is? We've worked out some things, so. Firstly, we've worked out that people like working from home. I mean, our survey says 85% of our staff would prefer to work from home. Um, that's not that different to a lot of other company surveys I've seen. Um, and, you know, we've all learned about that. So working from home is going to be a permanent feature, I believe. Um, not always working from home, but some element of working from home. We've also worked out that flexible working is something that's really attractive. So the idea of having core hours and, and flexible hours, you know, is something that's really attractive too. And that's something which, you know, we need to examine how, how that works going forward. My own view is there is absolutely a future for the office. What there isn't a future for is probably the commute. I, I, I think, you know, I think we will be trying really hard to explain to our grandchildren what um, what a rush hour was, you know, this mad notion that we, we'd all leave our homes at the same time to go on roads that couldn't fit us all, and then we'd queue up to get into the office and take, you know, I think maybe that's gone. Um, so we know that. What We also know what people miss. People miss engaging with other people. They miss the social side of work. Um, I think particularly for... People who, you know, it's nice for me. I have a nice big house and I've got to study and my children are grown up. But people who are living in an apartment or a smaller house and children around, it's tough. And, you know, people need time in their own. So, you know, an office is not just a place to meet other people. It's maybe a place being your own. So, you know, we're certainly looking at an office of the future that has communal meeting areas of different types, formal meeting rooms, informal meeting rooms, Obviously, very obviously, uh, social uh, meeting rooms, which which have, you know, so you can do team calls and Zoom calls, all of that will be built in. But we also think, you know, there's a future for something like a library at work, you know, somewhere where you can work quietly um, on your own and, and not be disturbed. Um, that really matters. And you can do your own research and you can do your own thinking and and I think that's going to be part of the future. So, you know, certainly it's, and, and I guess it will now, or if it hasn't become a cliche, it will pretty quickly. This notion of a hybrid working model is what we're working towards. And that's what we're looking at doing. So, you know, that's what we plan. Yeah, we do plan to move out of the GPO simply because 
the GPO, the, the office block part will always be in the front part, which is the post office, and we might retain the offices above the post office. But the kind of 1930s building that's built behind it, I think that's something that um, has is badly in need of refurbishment. We can't spend the sort of funds that will be required to do it. So, yeah, we will move and we've announced that. David, there is a, a chink of light at the end of the tunnel, if you like, in that the vaccine uh, vaccines have begun to be rolled out over uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, on Twitter, uh, you suggested that perhaps we need to pick up the pace a bit. We, we need to get this uh, rolled out a bit faster. And I think it's a comment that's echoed by a lot of people, particularly in business. Let's get this done sooner because otherwise, we, at the current rate of rollout, we could be looking at, you know, between two and three years maybe to get the whole population vaccinated. And that just seems too long. Um, I mean, what do you think we need to do as a as a state? What does the government need to do to get this through? And how long should it take, in your opinion? Uh, should we, you know, is this something that should be done by June? Uh, or are we looking at the end of the summer, the end of the year? Well, you know, the, the simple answer, simple answer, Karen, is, is, I, I failed vaccinology at college, so um, I, <laughs> I'm not a vaccinologist. So I, I can't answer your question, how long should it take or what should it be or what should government do? Um, I, as a citizen, you know, I can, I can have some views. And as somebody, you know, who's got a large front line of staff, you know, of course it's a concern. And the vaccines are the way out of the pandemic. You know, the government have talked of certain timelines. I think the Taunashta said August, or I think the Taoiseach said August originally, and then the Taunashta said, yeah, I'd like August or sooner. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, they're the timelines government are talking about, and that's, that's what we need to be able to deliver if that's what they're talking about. Um, you know, I think the Taunashta the other day on, on RTE, I think, said, look, he wants to get to the point where supply is the only constraint. And I think that's really good to hear, and that's great to hear, but I think there needs to be really clear, focused leadership. And my comments on Twitter were only more around focus is, is this is the biggest, probably the biggest job we face as a state ever is to get out of the pandemic ever since the foundation of the state, the biggest challenge we have. You know, so look, I, my guess is it's moving in the right direction. And my guess is the government are putting the steps in place. It's always easy for somebody in business to say something around government. Governments aren't businesses. They're immensely more complex, organic organizations. But certainly as a business, I'd like to see real pace of this because, you know, every week is counts. And where I really think is when it comes to May time, June time, as we're entering into the summer, you know, the difference of few weeks would make to a hospitality business being able to open for the summer would be enormous. You know, I, 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 when I say enormous, it could almost be binary. It could almost be whether they're going to stay in business or not. And more importantly, you know, from a health perspective, what it means in terms of uh, fewer deaths and people coming through. But that's, you know, I, I have no authority and no um, capability to talk about, about uh, public health. And I think and actually, I think, you know, I, Paul Reid, I know from my days in Aircom, I think he's done an amazing job in the HSE and provided, provided an incredible leadership, a kind of quiet leadership of confidence to, to get us through this. And the HSE, quite rightly now, is completely focused on this huge third wave of, of COVID. We can see it in our own business, the sort of impact that's having, you know, and that's where the focus is. But it's up to the rest of government then to get this this vaccine rollout, I think. And uh, 
I wish them every luck and we'll, we will, we'll certainly be there to support and help in any way possible. David, many of your workers will be classified as frontline or essential services. Where do they stand in terms of the queue for the vaccine? Because we know that um, people in the health service, uh, for example, are, are being done first along with you know um, people with who are vulnerable with illnesses and in nursing homes and so on. Where, where would on-post uh, essential workers lie? Well, look, I think always when, you know, and as I say, I'm so proud of what our front lines have done in Unpost. We have two front lines, we have post office workers and we, have, we then have a postman and postwomen, our delivery staff. And, uh, you know, but any time I say how proud I am of them, I always begin by saying, but, you know, it's uh, all of us, including those staff, are in awe of what the health service staff have done and, and uh, all health workers, whether they're doctors, nurses, cleaners, anybody, you know, clearly they come first. Um, and clearly the, the medical needs are, are needs that the HSE and, and the health services will make those decisions and they'll make the right decisions. And they've done a fantastic job so far in terms of steering us through this pandemic. So, you know, where our front lines come, I don't know, but they are front lines and they are people who have to go to work and they do have to meet each other every day. And therefore, um, you know, they're more vulnerable than people who uh, can work from home. So, you know, I don't know where, where they go in terms of front lines. I just saw that, for example, the guards, again, who have done an amazing job, that, you know, they're looking to be one of the first after health workers, after the elderly and those with underlying conditions. Um, so, you know, I don't know, are we, are we behind the guards possibly? Where are we there? But, you know, we certainly will be making clear and have made clear to government that, you know, we really are concerned for our staff, not in a way to say that they should be ahead of others who, who have um, conditions or where there's a health threat, but, you know, we, we do think that, that they are um, one of the priorities, but not the top priority. David, just I suppose finally, um, the year ahead is perhaps not started as you would have wanted in terms of lockdown restrictions that are being announced by the government, much tougher than we would have uh, wanted and much tougher than we would have expected pre-Christmas. But the infection rate is going up and so we have to we have to protect society uh, for the time being until the vaccine is rolled out more extensively. So what does the outlook uh, look like for On Post for 2021? So uh, my, my line... Uh since uh, this week has been, I think, and I really do believe this, I think 2021 is going to be an amazing year, an amazing year. I think it's going to be a great year for the Irish economy. I think it's going to be a great year for on post. And I think it's going to be a really crappy first quarter. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to have a really rough time for the first four months, first third of the year. And I think that's, as I said, I'm not even particularly concerned necessarily about the trading issues. I, I would be, you know, for hospitality, it's desperate. And for non-central retail, it's desperate. But um, I'm not worried about the trading issues. Yeah, we'll take some impact. You know, businesses aren't back, so they don't send letters, which is where our, our profitable business is. Um, so, you know, we'll take a bit of a hit on that. But we've learned how to manage it and keep our head above water in that. Um, I'm just more worried about the human cost. The human cost in the first four months is just going to be so hard. I think right now with the schools closed, and it's a decision government had no choice to make. I think they had to do it, and um, everybody understands that, but it doesn't make it easy. And so, you know, I think we've got a real issue now 
also around mental health and making sure we can help people through the first third of this year. And, you know, we're, we're putting our thinking hats on and seeing what impost can we do to help again. And we'll come up with some more initiatives. You know, we're very keen to do that, to play our part. It's a small part. We're not the health service. Um, we're not the guards, but we'll play our part in doing that. But I think maybe the most important thing is that we can look beyond that and we all have to have the hope and confidence that we are getting out of the pandemic um, with a sense of urgency. Let's look to a, to a summer where we can enjoy ourselves and uh, let's look to some sort of normalization, you know, towards the end of the year. And, you know, I think that's something which, if we know that's coming, I think that will really sustain us through this very difficult period. Well, here, here to that, I think a lot of our listeners would agree with that. Dave McGredmond, Chief Executive of OnPost. Thank you for joining Inside Business. Thank you, Karen. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to OnPost Chief Executive Dave McGrebent. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next week, take care and stay safe. <laughs>